Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Driving More Show. Um, have we wasted a good crisis? Yeah, hi, I'm Paul, um, and I will be your uh, host this evening, or at least co-host, uh, and we'll be having a chat about um, how has rugby been changed by COVID in 2020 uh, uh, for more, more long-term rather than the immediate changes. Because as they say in business, don't waste a good crisis, uh, basically for making changes that uh, you need to do. Um, and joining me to talk about all that kind of stuff is uh, Mr. Stephen Harris. How are you doing, sir? Oh, good evening, Paul, and season's greetings to all our viewers and listeners out there on uh, NZ Sports Radio. And once again, a privilege and a pleasure to be on the show. Exactly. Yeah, sorry. Happy um, happy birthday. Jeez. <laughs> Wrong. Um, Merry Christmas, everybody. Deary me. Yes. Um, this is our first show since Christmas Day. So uh, on uh, um, well, on the rugby side, anyway. Uh, we had the swinging from the hip last night. Um and hopefully we'll be getting our A-League show up and running soon um, as well. Um, but before we get into our main topic, Stephen, uh, you said there was a bit of uh, sad news you wanted to um, first talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, it's 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 a season where everybody's uh, in, in holiday mode. Paul, you know, whether you're taking time out with family or even hanging out with, uh, with friends over the Christmas New Year period. But uh, uh, for a couple of families this year, it'll, it'll be uh, sadder than normal because on Boxing Day, um, one of two men killed in a uh, serious Boxing Day crash was 20-year-old uh, Villamani Meru Tetau. Now, he was the father of one. He's a former New Zealand Māori under-18 uh, rugby player. He played 2019 for New South Wales Country, and he was a premier rugby player for the uh, Waitemata Rugby Football Club uh, in uh, 2020. So we just want to send our, our condolences from uh, New Zealand Re- Sport Radio, especially to all family and, and friends concerned. But uh, also uh, on, on behalf of, there was another young lad also killed in the, in the same accident. There were four boys in that particular car coming back uh, from an uh, early morning uh, night out. We don't know the full circumstances, but once again, uh, just a point it to us all how life can be uh, uh, so fickle. I know we talk about rugby on the show, and uh, unfortunately, it's going to be a sad time for the Wider Matter Rugby Football Club. So, our thoughts and prayers 
uh, go out to the um, everybody concerned, especially the uh, the uh, family of uh, Viliami and of course the other boy uh, concerned as well. Paul, it certainly is a, a a little bit of a problem out there, and boy, we just want everybody to be to be safe. Yeah, have a have a good time, but it's really more importantly about uh, getting home, isn't it, Paul? Um, absolutely, it is. Now, please, folks, please do drive um, safely and do slow down uh, um, when you when you are driving. There's a lot of cars on the road. A lot of people driving long distances they don't normally do uh, on unfamiliar roads as well. Look, uh, living in a small town, New Zealand, we don't have a professional fire service. We have a volunteer fire service, uh, which means that we the, the siren goes off every time um, they're being called out. Uh, and over the last week, it has been going off daily, whereas normally it goes off once. Uh, every week or two weeks uh, and that's mainly down and we've also heard the um, air ambulance flying in um, as, as well so um, it's it's always sad when you hear that um, the helicopter and also that siren as well so please folks do uh, drive safely on the roads um, this uh, festive period um, uh, so um, moving on from uh, that uh, um, the sad news uh, is let's move on and let's talk about some rugby then. And look, there's a saying in business that says never waste a good crisis. Um, now, I think if we wind back to sort of March-ish, probably March, April, um, a lot of there was a lot of fear, obviously, and a lot of uncertainty um, going on. And I think a lot of people were kind of were scared um, that uh, various rugby clubs would perhaps disappear. Um, but also there was also this underlying point of, is this the time? Is this the opportunity? If not now, then when will we actually see some real proper um, change around things like player welfare, um, a global calendar, the number of games they play? Is this the big opportunity to make those changes right now um, where there's a little bit of, well, where there's a lot of pressure on finances and World, World Rugby could have potentially use that as a bit of a lever to try and make the make change um etc Stephen, though uh, we haven't seen many teams go under i mean we've we've lost um the kings um uh, is perhaps the uh, and uh, and the haguaris those are perhaps the only two teams professional teams at least anyway at top level that i can think we've lost um so from that point of view we haven't uh, the, 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 from, a, from a good side we haven't lost teams like like people were, were fearing we might do yeah, it's a good thing that we actually start with the pluses. I think the pluses, yeah. the pluses were. I think a lot of professional teams were able to survive. Sure, there were some, and, and even the semi-amateur teams, if you could throw, probably minor team cut clubs into into that bracket as well. Sure, they had to make some cuts here and there. But I, you know, I think the overall basic lesson, especially for us down here in in New Zealand, it. it just being without rugby and having a bit of a break from it made us really hungry for the game again. So you always said, uh, <laughs> it sounds like you've got the Grand Prix pre going on in your uh, outside your back door down there in Waiheepo. Oh, just trying to quickly put you to the news. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, what I was saying is uh, just in and around not having that that rugby that's so important to a country like New Zealand and all of, all of a sudden we didn't have let alone rugby, any sort of sport for a long time. And I think it just made people hungry for it. And I think there was a there was a few things thrown at the administrators there whether, you know, in the case of of rugby is is less is less more. 
that 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 was sort of one thing to come out of it. But on on saying that, when you have got professional teams, they've still got to get paid at the end of the day, and the broadcasters who are also basically looking around scratching for sport, they they basically want some professional sport happening. So yeah, there were there were a few top end lessons I think we we learnt immediately, Paul. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and uh, having from our previous conversation, you might be able to hear the siren going off in the background as the firemen have been called out yet again, unfortunately. Um, yeah, now look, I've, I've done a couple of conversations, had a chat with the um, CEO of Northland, Campbell, um, also had a chat with the general manager of Southland, I've just gone blank to his name, um, as well as the CEO of Tasman as well. Now the Tasman one I, haven't, I must not have published, I'm sorry about that, I'll get that one out uh, hopefully over the next couple of days. But the good news from all of them was that all of their clubs have survived. Now, have all of them survived totally intact? No, they haven't. Um, as we say, a lot of people had to make cuts, but they're all still there. Um, and especially for these rural uh, um, unions where these clubs are a big part of the uh, the, the, the local community, uh, it's, important that, it's important that they have survived. So they have survived um, on the, the, the whole. So as you say, uh, some lessons there, though, as you said, was um, less is perhaps more. Um, and also local uh, is is strong as well. Um, basically, where people have got an emotional connection to the team. Also, uh, I think that was also the big thing as well. So, um, yeah, rugby administrators, if you're a membership person, don't worry about how many memberships you sell this year or you sell next year. Worry about the emotional connect connection that your fans or your supporters have with the club and uh, your membership numbers will look after themselves. Um, but unfortunately, that's not how many membership managers are are, looked, are are after. So that's the good side. The Kings, look, the Kings were going to disappear and go under it sooner or later. They maybe they've had um, poor management for, for many years. Um, this was merely, this merely sped things up uh, to see them go bust and go under, um, unfortunately. Look, it's an area of South Africa that should have a team, that, um, uh, but unfortunately, look, the, the administration has just been absolutely abysmal um, there. So, um, so yes, um, um, about uh, about that one. The the other team to go is obviously the Haguares, unfortunately, and that's because of the change to Super Rugby that I think we all again we all knew needed to happen, but it just did happen. So it's, it's unfortunate that we did lose that um, there. Simon asking, did we read the article about the Pacific? Um, Island franchise in the New Zealand Herald yesterday. No, I didn't um, read that one, unfortunately. So I'm not sure what uh, what was said um, in there. So so we've lost basically two teams, um, which is actually a very uh, low um, uh, sort of uh, uh, what's the word is uh, low amount of damage to the team from that point of view. Um, but what changes have we seen? And I'm not talking about necessarily changes for this season or for or for, or for next season, but what are the long-term changes that we're seeing here? Um, to me, the, the only long-term changes that we've really seen um, have been is that Super Rugby um, ha, will, ha, well, South Africa uh, and, Hague, and Argentina will leave Super Rugby. We already knew Japan was, um, and therefore we'll end up with a, um, a Far East uh, Far East time zone um, Super Rugby tournament with basically New Zealand and Australia, potentially Japan, potentially um, the Pacific Islands, potentially some um, teams out of Southeast Asia, but essentially in this time zone, we'll end up with some sort of Super Rugby competition. Um, looking at what they're doing next year, 
um, it's going to be particular. It's, it's not going to be that different to. Uh, it's, it's not going to be a slimmed down version. All the Super Rugby franchises said they needed at least six. Uh, was it six to eight home games um, to break even, um, which is uh, leads you to a sixteen um, game season, which is what they had before over eighteen weeks. So um, <laughs> the well, and that's that's what we're heading back towards again. Um, is a well a twelve team tournament is what they're talking about um, with a, a round robin, which means you have at least eleven. Which um, you're either talking eleven games or twenty two games potentially depending on quite how you do that. Um, so basically, Super Rugby, whilst it is, is changing its time zone, the length of it is pretty much going to be the same, uh, is, is all the indicators that, um, that, that, that we're seeing. Um, so your lessons of less is more, Stephen, really haven't, uh, haven't been heard there. And also, the All Blacks are talking about playing 15 test matches next year. Yeah. Um, which is... Not, not, not at all. And once again, Paul, it comes back to the old revenue revenue gathering exercise. Obviously, the broadcasters are still wanting con content because they've got to survive. So they then therefore put the pressure. The broadcasters put the pressure on to to rugby with, to come up with more content. So, uh, and uh, I, I guess it wants been a tough COVID uh, COVID year where money's money's. Obviously, um, well, it's money that the unions of unions are more important than the rugby union have lost. They've uh, got to recoup that from somewhere. Yeah. So the so the positives are we'll actually be able to we won't have to wake up at three o'clock in the morning to watch a rugby game um, for Super Rugby. Um, but um, the negatives are the players are going to be playing the same number of games as they've always played, uh, and. Um, the, uh, and as far as I can tell, from a marketing point of view, there, the, there seem to be very few lessons learned um, about building that um, relationship between the fans um, and the uh, and the franchises and the teams. Um, and it's still all about how many tickets can we sell this week, rather than how many life how many people can we bring in um, and have as lifelong members who were uh, who who were. Uh, who, who, who have a real emotional attachment to the team. So, again, that short-term thinking seems to be uh, seems, seems to be continuing. So, that's, to me, that's the kind of the negatives on a local um, basis. Um, it looks like uh, the the, the, the uh, well, the My Ten Cup, My Ten uh, finish their sponsorship at the end of this year. Um, so, it'd be interesting to see who um, may or may who, or who will step up and be the title sponsors of the NPC next year. Because currently there's been no announcement of that, um, but if you listen to our show last week, um, you'll know that this is sort of this, this is the sort of thing that New Zealand rugby wouldn't talk about um, until something is absolutely cast iron, written, um, signed in blood. Um, and uh, they, yes, they won't. They won't even mention that they're that they that uh, they're looking for sponsors or in discussions with sponsors until it's done. But uh, clearly, those discussions must be taking place um, at the moment. Um, and I think. The uh, crowd numbers for quite a lot of the provinces will have been disappointing um, for New Zealand rugby as far as uh, as far as that goes. Obviously, they weren't helped by us being, I think, level two or level three um, at the time, um, or level uh, and uh, with so hence the the first couple of rounds didn't have uh, couldn't have yeah. crowds. Um, but yeah, even so, I think they uh, they struggled with crowds again this year. Um, yeah, I, I, even though they did well. I think Paul also going right into uh, 
the start of the, the cricket season probably didn't help, you know, um, going into to summer sport territory. You, you know, traditionally, my team cup usually finishes around about the third week of, of October, but, well, heck, heck, I think we had rugby going through to, to late November, which just seemed unusual being played in 25 degree heat in some cases so it, it, it was a little weird well you think about it the the Maori All blacks versus the moana pacifica that was the first weekend of december which was the end of the season uh, but uh, it did feel like to me this time that there was a real end to the season whereas uh, in normal years where you have that might sink up through to like the end of october um the, I mean, the rugby championship this year finished on the same weekend as that Moana Pacifica game. Um, it gave it, 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 it a real conclusion to the season. Whereas the um, uh, the rugby championship tends to end, then you've got the Bledisloe, third Bledisloe Cup game, then you're into November internationals overseas, and it kind of peters out. There isn't that real crescendo or that real sort of demarcation of, right, the season stopped, folks. Um, let's have some time off. It kind of drags on. In normal years, so from that point of view, I thought that was that that I, I liked that narrative, um, but I, I know we're not going to get that again. Yeah, it's it's really it's really it, it, like you say, it, it is pretty weird that season just goes on and on and on, and it's almost like uh, I think if you're a, you're a supporter, you're almost getting, oh my god, I'm I'm totally over it. Trying end it here, end it now. It's like a <laughs> like sort of like the injured animal with a broken leg. You need to put it down. <laughs> so, <laughs> sort of thing, Paul. So yeah, pretty pretty crazy, really. Um, I suppose from a New Zealand perspective, they um, they could be really thankful that they were still able to get crowds along as they were in Australia as well. You know, you kind of look at the the Gallagher Premiership being played in, in, in stadiums with really only the reserves and and coaches watch, watching the games. You know, New Zealand probably not in too bad a place. But I'm saying that I think they went through. A little stage where I think they got a bit big for their boots, Paul. Round about the stage where they were getting really, really big crowds. Hey, look at us! How great we're going at going at the moment. We don't need Australian rugby. We don't need South African rugby. So during that point, the point of time, there was a degree of arrogance from the NZRFU because they kind of looked around and hey, we're the only ones going. Everybody's watching our game. We're watching big crowds, and man, I I don't know if that was the time to really spout if you know what I mean, because things could change in an instant. And, of course, they did. The last last round of, of games was, well, some games were played in front of no crowds. And, of course, the very last game of the season was pulled all together. Yeah, no, look, they were – and you've got to wonder if they've learned anything from that again, because, again, it's all the announcements around the potential uh, 11th and 12th teams – are coming out of New Zealand rugby. It's not a joint thing with Australian rugby. You're hearing nothing out of Australian rugby around this. Um, so how much of it is a collaboration? How much of it is just New Zealand rugby saying, we're going to have Fiji team, we're going to have a Moana Pacifica team? End of story. And Australia, you've got to put up with that. Um, so again, that's, uh, that sense of collaboration really isn't doesn't seem to be there, um, which, is, um, which is a strange one. Um, the, Paul, I was about... Uh, I was about to say I'm not even sure with <clears throat> with Andy Marinos joining Australian rugby as as their uh, CEO. I'm not even sure if there's a um, a Sansa around at the moment. Well, so, Sansa is around purely for the rugby championship from now on. Let's be blunt. Um, with um, with with South Africa, uh, we're, we're, we're kind of moving on to this now. 
moving into the Pro 14 um, and with uh, Australia and New Zealand organising their own Super Super Rugby competition. They've been allowed to keep that name. Um, it's uh, Yes, you're right. Sanzar now is purely about the international game rather than about the, the, the domestic club game or or franchise game, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Simon makes a point that it's, it's weird watching um, the South African Curry Cup at this time of year. Mm. Absolutely. And again, uh, there's been a... And I think that the Curry Cup will continue. Um, I don't think it will continue in the form it's taken this year, which has been basically a two-round um, event with uh, all with the four Super Rugby teams, um, the Cheetahs, the Pumas, and the Grikas. So seven teams there. Uh, it has been reduced to a one-leg game normally, and I think they'll probably revert to that next year. Or uh, with with that one, um, but we have had the announcement of the Rainbow Cup which will see the uh, Stormers, Lions, Sharks and Bulls um, play a, a, a cup with the Pro 14 teams. So the four teams from Ireland, the four teams from Wales, two from Scotland and two from Italy um, in a, uh, a two-conference affair, uh, which has basically taken the Super, the Super Rugby sides into that Pro 14. The Cheetahs obviously um, getting kicked out um, which is uh, of, of that competition, um, which of, and uh, they're now looking at trying to put them into a a competition with tier two club sides um, in Georgia, etc. Um, but uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, now, do I expect that uh, formats to continue? Now, I think we're going to end up with a Pro 14 that runs from um, your sort of September. Um, what did I call it? Sciences Rainbow Cup. Yes, I thought I thought it was Rainbow Cup. Um, September through to um, uh, through to sort of your, your, your May time. Um, I think, yeah, long term, that's going to be a Pro 16 um, with those uh, extra two teams in there. So South Africa getting aligned um, uh, time zone wise with Europe to me makes sense. Um, I'm just not sure that we'll have to wait and see what format it comes with. But that travel is going to be a killer um, for a lot of players. I think we've seen with Super Rugby, look, that long distance travel is a bad piece for it. I think the model that um, Super Rugby is going for next year with um, a domestic round and then a uh, sort of cross-country competition is probably a better way to go. Um, but um, so, yeah, so your next, so again, for South Africa, positive is they're getting aligned in time, in a, in a time zone and also with countries that have got potentially um, decent uh, economies so financially wise it could work out for them um the disadvantage there is they've still got long distance travel um, there so um if we then move on to look at europe though essentially situation normal um they've uh, decided that they're not going to make any changes at all uh, and just um prop up what was what what is quite clearly a unsustainable I mean, the entire rugby um, setup is uh, is unsustainable. New Zealand admits it's making a, or um, been saying it's going to be making a um, an unsustainable deficit, or which means a loss every year. Um, we know Australia uh, is in financial strife with a Andy Marinos at the head of the helm now, uh, who did such a fantastic job at Sanzar, seeing that go downhill. Uh, super rugby. <laughs> And the rugby championship both going downhill, uh, reduced numbers, etc. Over the past 
what decade, I guess. Um, not so much on the rugby championship side, but definitely on Super Rugby. How he's got the job, I've got no idea. Um, up in uh, Europe, you've got Nigel Melville, who basically bankrupted um, USA Rugby, being put in uh, has been now been put in charge of um, the Gallagher Premiership. And you're like, well, seriously, um, all these guys who are doing who've been doing some pretty lousy jobs as CEOs, just getting uh, of various organisations, just getting another CEO position and another organisation to wreck. So congratulations to the um, Gallia Premiership. You are basically at some point in the near future going to be bankrupt. <laughs> um, the uh, yeah, and and just this CVCs come in and put money into. Pro 14, the Gallagher Premiership. Uh, I don't think the deal's quite finalised yet on the um, on the Six Nations. Um, I think they're also looking at uh, the top 14 as well. So clearly, uh, their influence of trying to bring people together hasn't really helped because all they've done is, I say, just stayed with the same situation and not helped with any player welfare, not helped with improving their income. It all just seems to be uh, just they yeah, the same normal mess we have in Europe. Status quo. Yep. There has been one slight change, which is the idea of a world club competition every four years or every two years, I guess. Um, <coughs> with the idea being um, that uh, uh, the, the European Champions Cup and the uh, uh, the Challenge Cup, or the Heineken European Champions Cup, sorry, it's a proper name, um, take place throughout the season normally. The idea is that actually that would be done away with. They would move the European, so the European season would um, finish earlier and there would be a solid window at the end of the European season, the end of Super Rugby, to have a world club competition before the July internationals. Your thoughts on that one, Steve? You, 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 do you like this idea of the Crusaders taking on Leinster? Well, that'll, that'll be good, given that the New Zealand Super franchises are all now known as clubs. Um, yeah, which is which is still a bit a bit of a hard one to get you your head around it. But I, I, I suppose whatever whatever rocks their world. But you know, I, I kind of look at this, Paul, and I think still not addressing the problems that the game has. Let's just go and, uh, throw another another competition out there when we're, we're we're talking about how much rugby these guys are playing. Seriously, then comes the question: Where where are you going to play these? Are they going to be a on a home and away basis, or do you pay them up in the Northern Hemisphere one year, Southern Hemisphere in the next? How does this work? Well, those sort of details haven't been played out yet. Um, but um, but basically, yes. The with the at the end of the day, what's Europe's trying to do is as trying to say, hey, hey, look, we don't want to play club games during international weekends because we want our internationals to play. Okay, but we don't want to reduce any games. So you want your internationals to play 22 club, um, 22 domestic competition games, another um, uh, uh, six European games. Um, on top of that, potentially um, another five rounds of knockout competitions as well for those games. And on top of that, another um, 11 to 14 um, test matches. These guys are going to get broken, um, at least with Super Rugby. Um, the um, uh, at least with Super Rugby, the, the they don't have uh, well. It's it's been kept at sixteen games plus um, plus three playoffs, um, which is down from the twenty eight 
that the Europeans play plus um, knockouts. So uh, 12 games less. Um, so, yes, you've got to say that um, that needs to be sorted out because at the moment, yeah, just shuffling the calendar around and playing the same number of games, um, I say, doesn't help with player welfare, doesn't help with making sure you have your top talent available for your top, top competitions. Um, and uh, therefore, if you haven't got your top talent, then the value goes down um, and therefore you make less money. You do need a minor 10 cup, curry cup style competition where for your non-internationals get enough rugby in, but um, Europe just doesn't have that available to them um, and they don't seem to be willing to put in that third tier. They just want to play a two-tier system where you've got club and um, uh, an international. We, we can't even get us they can't even get the one season together so they're asking teams of their respective winners of their of their divisions whether they say for example if they if you've got the the Heineken Cup or European Cup which normally tradition that traditionally finishes in what around about April maple uh, yeah, and, and then you've got uh, super rugby that finishes what a little bit later. Is it June? Normally June, July. Well, they they, they but well they both have been finished traditionally in, in May for the June international window, right? Yes. Um, and then well then Super Rugby would come back for July August. Um, so you you now, would have to now all to... of these competitions are, are going to be finishing in um, June ahead of the July international window. Well, okay, that 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 actually that actually might work. I'm just trying to think the uh, the Six Nations, that's normally in February, isn't it? January, February? Uh, February, March, yeah. February, March. So, yeah, it's conceivably, <laughs> I mean to say, um, you'd probably feel a bit for some of the Northern Hemisphere, that Hemisphere clubs, it'll be a case of uh, last man standing um, after the top guys have smashed themselves playing international rugby, Gallagher Premiership finals, European Cup finals, because I remember, I would imagine there'll probably be your, your, your cream, which will rise to, rise to the top, which will be your, your Leinsters. And um, if I can just use Exeter Chiefs as yep. an example, maybe maybe from France, maybe La Rochelle or somebody like that. Man, they, they will be bashed up. No question. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so the, their, their season is going to end at the end of July. Um, they'll basically have August off if they're lucky back into pre-season in September. And off they go all over again oh my um, God. For, an October, for an October start. So, yes, um, the um, the uh, thank you for Simon's just let us know that actually a different investor, it's not CBC that invested in top 14, um, but uh, it is the Nova Pina equity firm. There we go. So that's also going to be interesting when you have uh, different um investment companies in different leagues how well are they going to play together <laughs> they're not known for being uh, collaborative at the best of times so that's going to be interesting so from a from a tier one point of view we've seen some changes for well basically in new zealand australia the domestic competition has become more time zone aligned which is good um, but their marketing doesn't seem to have improved and australia seem to have a, a questionable choice of man at the top of the uh, at the helm we also really have to question uh, the uh, New Zealand um, CEO who's coming this year. As you say, 
has led to a more arrogant, um, at least outward facing uh, approach by, by, by the union. Over in South Africa, they've managed the positives, they've managed to align themselves um, by time zone, but have decided to basically give the chop to the cheaters, um, which, which could lead to commercial, uh, which could lead to legal action. Um, and they still have long uh, distance traveling. As far as Argentina is concerned, they've lost the Haguares, but they do have their international, sorry, they do have their they do have domestic professional competition set up uh, across South America, which is good. I mean, there's a long way to go. It's below nine out of 10 cup level at the moment. Sorry, below, yes, definitely. Um, and unfortunately, most of their internationals are now playing overseas. Europe, as we say, pretty much situation normal or messed up. Um, the uh, World Club competition, yeah, would expect to be, yeah, would be played once every four years. Um, but fr from a tier two point of view, what has this meant? Well, it's meant that uh, um, Japan took the year off, um, but were invited to the Autumn Nations Cup. Um, Georgia were invited to the Autumn Nations Cup and showed that they're not anywhere near um, strong enough to get into get into the uh, um, Six Nations by losing all of their games. Um, Fiji was invited to the Autumn Nations Cup and unfortunately got COVID and missed all their games apart from beating Georgia um, at the end of it. The other big fallout, really, apart from all of that, is over in the Americas, where the um, the ARC um, or the um, Americas ARC is that right? That's got the um, but anyway. Um, basically, the rugby championship, yeah, the Americas rugby championship um, over there has looks like that has died a death, and this all comes down to uh, disagreements over the well uh, over qualification to world rugby to, to the rugby world cup um and also uh, probably also has some politics going on there around the non-election of, of, of augustin pichot um as world rugby head basically uh, the south americans no longer want so historically the way that it's worked world rugby um is that north america essentially usa and canada play each other the winner gets into the rugby world cup the loser plays the best team from South America who hasn't automatically qualified, i.e. not Argentina, against Uruguay, and then the loser of that one goes into the repechage. What South America is saying is they shouldn't have to play off against North America and that their best team should just go straight through every World Cup, um, which uh, you can understand. And hence the ARC uh, has unfortunately collapsed, which basically was the America's Six Nations. Um, it had the uh, Canada, USA, um, the Argentina 15 or Argentina B team, um, uh, Uruguay, Brazil, and Chile. Now, this is sad for me because it gave it, it gave all those teams a competition to play in, um, and actually guaranteed games every year. Now, without that, um, America's Nations Cup, uh, sorry, America, America's Rugby Championship, the USA have no fixed game, um, tournament they play, so they don't know who they're going to play each year. They'll play Canada, obviously but they don't get to build up those rivalries that we see in the rugby championship between New Zealand, South Africa, Argentina, um, and Australia. Um, and so I think it's a backward step losing the America's rugby championship, but I do understand Uruguay's point of view that, Hey, why should they have to play off against Northern uh, um, to, to make it into the rugby, into the rugby uh, world cup? Paul, also, I think it's helped. Sorry. Sorry, Stephen. 
Paul, I was about to say, how much has has COVID played a part as well? We know that um, the <clears throat> we know that the Brazilian Prime Minister was a little bit well, very slow to react. We 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 know that the President of the United States has been slow to react with COVID. How much of that has has played a part in the in the competition falling over as well? Well, obviously, obviously it's killed the competition for this year. Don't get me wrong, but. Um... It's killed all sorts of other competitions, but we've always said that they're going to come back next year. This one <laughs> looks dead and buried. So, um, it's um, yes, COVID hasn't helped, um, but I think the, um, uh, the the falling out between them um, hasn't helped. Um, the um, the other thing that's also um, that, uh, that I think also be part of it is that remember the America's um, organization voted one for Augustine Pichot and one for um, Bill Beaumont and then Canada also voted for Bill Beaumont as well so um, the uh, um, uh, so um, you got to say I don't think I think politically that also didn't help um, as well Steve you got to say the North, North America and South America haven't been getting on particularly well in rugby terms recently as uh, um as simon says yeah it's it, you've got to feel sorry for the states because the, the america's rugby championship clearly could have been um commercially viable as well because you look at the thing about you've got the american economy the canadian economy both in there as well as throughout brazil uh you've got, so you got some big economies quite a bit of money potentially there for advertisers and sponsors to get involved with. So it's a real shame um, that the IRC has, uh, the, uh, the IRC has collapsed um, there. Um, but yeah, to me, that's about, I think that's all the change we've seen from, from COVID. And it's when I think we we're talking about ripping up the entire calendar and starting again, it's been a bit disappointing, really. Oh, for sure, Paul. I, you know, I suppose we, it'd be remiss of us not to mention women's rugby as well because obviously if we think back to when New Zealand rugby kicked off and started boy the the silence in and around women's rugby from the New Zealand Rugby Football Union was actually quite deafening and listen it, it probably took a wee bit of an outcry um, now forget the girl's name who played for Wellington who pretty much jumped jumped on the press and, and basically said hey you've, you've put us up there as a um, as a, as the you know in terms of the fastest you know, women, females have obviously grown the sport in New Zealand. We've got the Rugby World's World Cup next year, but in terms of uh, what's happening with Farrah Palmer Cup, your your silence is deafening. If I recall, that was that was earlier in the year. That was the uh, Wellington rugby player. Just the name escapes me. Yes, it, it, um, someone that uh, someone that I follow on Twitter, and yeah, we, we've we've uh, um, tweeted backwards and forwards. You're right. I've just gone blank to her name as well. Uh, she put out a tweet. Um, she's actually saying that she's, uh, while she's financially worse off, she's um, actually feels much better in herself. And she's been on, had a TV show um, as well with, with, with the sky, um, which has been good. So yeah, it's um, um, Alice Soper. Alice Soper. Yeah. Or um, well, uh, is, is the person that we're talking about there. Um, the, uh, so yeah, so it's, um, uh, I guess, and sure, I, I think what we expected uh, happened there was that we, 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 watched, we lost the Wallaroos games, we lost the England Test matches, um, 
the women's six nations some of it managed to happen but not all of it um uh, and uh, we've had the as we discussed in the last week i think it was uh, two weeks ago sorry um the uh, pack four um or so no, last week we discussed it pack four has been announced which is uh, the uh, canada usa um new zealand australia uh, women's tournament is going to be going ahead in uh, uh, annually in, in future other sounds of things next year they're aiming at hosting in new zealand now the U usa rugby has talked about this women's international competition but uh, new zealand rugby has a say <laughs> not not said a word about it um but, uh, but um but look clearly it's been it's been agreed um so from a women's point of view look there is some growth there now has it had anything to do with covid uh, i'm not so sure um uh, I think they were, I think the the top countries outside of the Six Nations were looking at how could they put together a regular tournament that allows them to play women's rugby because at the moment there's nothing for them, um, uh, and uh, it's good to see the pack the pack four has grown out of that. Paul, one one thing I will say about the, the local game, I, I think um, women's rugby in New Zealand or the the, the unions, especially Maori and Cup, and of course later later in the season with the uh, Okay, you could call them contrived inter internationals against the, uh, the the barbarians, but I think they actually took the opportunity to to highlight highlight their game and highlight the, the talent they've got available. And I, I think for New Zealand women's rugby, it, 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 there was an opportunity also to unveil a few new players um, to another level of rugby, players that they wouldn't have necessarily been able to um, to unearth had they been playing internationals against uh, other teams, Paul? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the points that was made by um, uh, Jerome Tasman, uh, CEO interview, um, was that uh, he saw the New Zealand Barbarians as being perhaps the fourth best team in the world after the Black Ferns, France, England, and then the New Zealand Barbarians are probably the next best team. So, um, and he's got a very good point there, uh, to be honest. So, yeah, he, the, the, quality of, the quality of those games was potentially higher than he would have seen uh, if other international games had been had been being played, so yeah, no, it was. Um, so from that point of view, uh, it was it was very good. Um, to me, I think one of the one of the big things is that the most well known, uh, or a lot of the most, a lot of the well known rugby players are actually playing sevens rather than playing fifteens normally. And I think the cancellation of the um, or the, the postponement of the Olympics really helped because again, having. Your Ruby Two is having your um, uh, Stacey, uh, yeah, yeah. Stacey, Stacey Fuller, um, Portia Woodman, Woodman, um, yeah, yeah, Sarah Hidney, yeah, exactly. And all these players running around uh, in the uh, Farrah Palmer Cup was absolutely fantastic uh, for, for, the, for the for the uh, the profile of that game. Um, the uh, and I think then uh, also if we look at the um, uh, the sevens tournament that uh, that, that happened with had the four teams, um, the, uh, the, the, the that was picked. Uh, from what they call it now the sevens tournament that they did for Sky. Oh yes, yes, yes. Um, the the uh, ignite ignite sevens, yeah. Um, and again, I think oh, if you look at the ignite sevens. I think the women got more coverage than the men did in there, um, and, I, and I definitely saw more on social media highlighting the women players. And I think the, the, they've actually probably got a bigger profile than the men oh. have in the sevens competition, oh. sevens side. Yeah, Paul, it was great to see, uh, for example, young schoolgirl girl player from Christchurch, Georgia Miller, 
run, running around and at night sevens, and then uh, a week later seeing you running running around in the um, uh, Condor sevens. You know, wow. You know how how good for a tournament like that to have somebody who showed she was a genuine superstar at ignite level, a uh, superstar on the Raz Raspberry pardon, and then dropping back down to play ignite. And then we saw her again in the uh, New Zealand. It was at the uh, schools. Now oh, that was sorry, was that the Condor Sevens? No, I'm That was the schools tournament uh, right at the end of the season. Yeah. Um... The uh, so yeah so so it's it's I say I think it's been pretty good. Um, the uh, f- from as you say from uh, f- from that point of view, unfortunately, I don't think we'll see the sevens players play in the Farrah Palmer Cup again. Personally, I think it would be fantastic if they did, but the, the timing of what is normally having the uh, Dubai sevens in December probably means that uh, they, they they can't play during that window. Um, in uh, for, for, for the Power Palmer Cup. Now, it was interesting listening to, and I've gone blank as to the lady's name from uh, Taranaki, who was uh, uh, playing 10 or 12 for them um, with the uh, green hair, wonderful player, great, had a great interview with her. But talking about how she was having to yeah, bulk up um, for the 15s because she'd normally play sevens. It would have been Gail, Gail Broughton. That's right, yeah, Gail Broughton, um, who was... Um, uh, there, who was uh, yeah, I'm talking about how she had to yeah, had to, had to bulk up for um, uh, for the 15s, and so if you're bulking up for the 15s in Farrah Palmer Cup, and then expecting to play Dubai the Dubai Sevens only a month later, um, yeah, I don't think that would, that would work, unfortunately. But I think I think yeah, it was a great um, a great Philip for the uh, for, for the Farrah Palmer Cup to, um, to have them for this year. Unfortunately, I say I, I can't see it happening in the future. Unfortunately. Um, cool. Um, those are the kind of the topics I was going to have a chat about this week. Um, anything else from your from your side of things? Um, no, not really. There's there's nothing else that really that really sort of sticks out there. Of course, we we touched a little bit upon upon Andy Marinos, and boy, that that came out of the blue. And it seems as though there were a few people who were involved in who are around the fringes of Australian rugby who didn't know either. So so there you go. I. I, I will hope that Andy Marinos has a, a strategic plan for Australian rugby because he certainly didn't have one for, for Super Rugby when he was last uh, sitting in, in that position. So, no, that just really came as a, a, a huge surprise. Um, yeah, listen, from this down this end of the world, it's, 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 it's really the off-season for us, so no, not a lot... Uh, of information, but, but well, let's let's, go, let's go back on that Andy Marathon because then look, Raylene Castle clearly not everyone's cup of tea, but you could see she had a plan. Um, and look, if you look at um, how everyone's happy now that rugby um, is on Channel Seven and not on um, Fox, that was her call, folks. Um, this was, um, now sure she didn't actually negotiate the deal because she, by, the, by the time, she, but but she was there for the, for the, for the initial rounds of negotiation and for setting that up. So um, there's got to be a hat tip for her on that one. Um, if you think uh, everyone's been sort of relatively positive about Dave Rennie uh, and the Wallabies, again, that was her her appointment, putting Dave Rennie um, in there. So uh, a lot of the positive stuff that's happened in the second half of this year, perhaps with 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 um, uh, Australian rugby, has been her stuff 
that is coming to fruition now she's not there um so yes definitely not annie marinos should not be getting uh, getting the uh, um the plaudits for the work that she did uh, in that one i think yeah i think she was, had, had a rough time uh, and won't get the credit for for what for the good things she did sure other things she didn't handle so great um but uh, but um i think there was also an awful lot of press out there just to get her anyway Yeah, don't 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 disagree with what you're there and about. And of course, some of the things that you know, there's a few things coming together on on the on the field on the field as well. I mean, so I think they probably missed an opportunity in terms of the uh, in terms of the rugby championship pool. Like it was it was right within their within their own grasp. But I I actually thought maybe at the end of the day, you know, we've given Dave Rennie a, a, a pat on the back, but but you've probably got to be a little bit critical in, in, in some of those games that they played in Australia where they they probably didn't pay enough respect to the teams that they were playing, didn't take points kickable points that were on offer that could have probably been the difference at the end of the day went for the went for the, the jungler and kicked to the corner, uh, a little bit like the Crusaders where they always go for sevens as opposed to as opposed to threes, but they are they are a young side they'll, they'll definitely get better I think probably one of the real key things Key things for them was probably losing somebody like Matt Tamua. He was so good in those um, in, in that very first game against the uh, against the All Blacks. A really good organizer, and you just felt his loss from that Australian team played a really really big part. So it's just a matter of having those guys that guys like the Tamuas of this world um, fit. But I'm saying that giving a lot more opportunities to the Corabetis of, of this world and Jordan Pateas. And also they've got, you know, they've obviously signed the likes of Suryasi Vunivalu as, as well, which is really exciting. So it's going to give them, uh, you know, along with Banks at fullback, it's going to give them a real sort of exciting back four, Paul. Absolutely. But if you, if you look at that um, that back line for, for, for Australia, there's actually all the experience in the decision-making. And yes, another car zooming past. Um, all the experience... Um, was James O'Connor and Matt Tamua. They lost both into injury, having to bring in rookies at 10 and 12, really, um, was uh, at international level, is not great. Um, so clearly, the uh, yeah injuries definitely hurt them. Um, I think what we saw at the beginning of the season for them was they were much more willing to play for Dave Rennie, and they were wanting to play rugby, um, wanting to win those 50-50 balls, wanting to put their body on the lines, which we hadn't seen for the past few years under Checker, um, unless, except for in fits and starts. Um, so, yeah, a lot of positivity there uh, from, from um, that, uh, yes, perhaps should they have done better? Should they win the Rover Championship? Probably. Um, mm -hmm. Are they, have they blooded a lot of good, a lot of players um, who will be good for 2023 and 2027? Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, long, yeah. Some disappointment yeah. short term, but I think long term things looking much brighter for them um, and, overall. And my, and my other real two takeaways, and, and, and basically they, from what happened on the field, we underestimated Argentina and we overestimated the All Blacks. Yeah, well, yes. Um, and I, I, So here's a question for you then. Um, was it actually bad for the All Blacks to win the rugby championship? Has that papered over cracks? Uh, does that mean that um, that perhaps certain changes might not happen um, that uh, that should happen? Hmm. 
I think the cracks are there for everybody to see, Paul. <laughs> to, to to be honest, it's not not as if they it's not as if they they're hidden hidden cracks. I mean to say, you'd have to be a a, a pretty one eyed sort of journalist to 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 look at that All Black season and go, yeah, yeah, no, they've 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 won the they've won the championship. But boy, if you if you really really look, you know. I know Phil Gifford came out and lauded their performance against Argentina and said, oh, that's one of the best all-black performances he's seen in a, in a very, very long time. Really, Phil? Um, um, you know, you, yeah, you've you got to win over a real understrength Argentinian team, and it took you a long, long time to break them down. And really, you know, just a few, three tries at the end probably in, in, inflated what was probably a, a flattering scoreline at the end of the day, Paul. Yeah, you just got to feel that uh, yeah, Ian Foster's end of season review, I won the I won the only tournament you put me up, up for. In fact, I won both cups. I won the Bledisloe and I won the rugby championship. Therefore, it's a success. Pat me on the back. Give me my bonus. Thank you very much. Let's get on to next season. Ooh, if that's Ooh. the approach, then ouch. Um, but uh, that seems to have been some of the comments from players like Aaron Smith. Like, hey, look, we won the only competitions we were put, put up for. Okay. And, and you kind of wonder, and you kind of wonder if that mentality also came through because it it came through with the skipper as as well, Paul, um, criticising the media, um, um, criticising supporters. You know, that's um, that's an, to be honest, that's a a, a path that uh, former All Black cap, captains have not tread before. You know, previous captains will go well. You know. There's a lot of expectation from New Zealand rugby supporters. We've got to come up with something, something better than that, Paul. So yeah, you, you speak you speak about cracks. Where's that coming from? I ask myself. Yeah, um, he was. Uh, to, to be fair, uh, he, he he had a bit that uh, his, his full quote was um, a little bit more measured than the actual one that was put uh, that, that was put out as, as being the headline, but. He should know better that that's actually how, that's what the headline is going to be. Um, so, but uh, and to be fair to Aaron Smith, look after the game, uh, after some of their losses, he was much much more on it, uh, much more honest about where they were, what, about their failings. Um, so yes, I, I think there is. Um, we'll have to hopefully there's that honesty inside the um, the camp that um, hey, there's more we need to do, but um, but they're kind of like well yeah at least we won the, at least we won our competitions. So um, it's not all doom and gloom, um, which, which if there's that balance there, then good. Um, it's not in, unfortunately, I think there's, a, there's, there's not a lot of faith that that balance is there at the moment. We'll have to wait and see. Cool. Well, thank you very much, sir. And um, I will talk to you in the new year. That's the, this is a wrap for the year. Yeah. Uh, the Driving Board Show. Don't forget to see it. We'll be back live on Tuesday at 8 p.m. Um, with the uh, Driving Mall Show. Uh, and uh, that's uh, that is it for 2020. Um, I will be back tomorrow morning with the morning sports briefing because that comes to you 365 days a year um, at 7 a.m. as your best way to start the day up to speed with all the important sports news. Don't forget, folks, you can become a supporter of Driving Mall. I'm oh, sorry, New Zealand Sports Radio as well um, over at patreon.com forward slash NZ Sport Radio uh, and get some exclusive access, access to um, content as well as help supporting us bring you this free content um, 52 weeks a year so thank you very much Stephen uh, been an absolute pleasure as always all, all good Paul happy new year to yourself
and uh, once again, all those listeners and followers of the uh, station. Happy New Year. Cheers. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.